Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to the Compass Catholic Changemaker Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kano. On this podcast, we talk about how to live with our money as Catholics. Hi, Changemakers. This is Caitlin Kano. Today's episode is from the Compass Catholic Vault, and it's entitled, What is Your Definition of Financial Success? Steve Holbrook hosts this episode in which he speaks with Compass Catholic's co-founders, John and Evelyn Bean. Before we jump in, I invite you to hit that subscribe button. I hope you enjoy and God bless. My name is Steve Holbrook and I'm joined today by the co-founders of Compass Catholic Ministries, John and Evelyn Bean. And today's discussion is all about defining financial success. And John, sometimes it's hard to see your achievements when you're right in the middle of it. Yeah, it can really be. You got to be able to take a step back and and look at where you've come from to where you are today. So we're going to talk about financial success and what it means to you. And too many times when we define financial success, we're looking at somebody else. We're using an outside standard instead of defining it for ourselves. We look at the person who's got a six-figure income as financially successful. Or we think about the person who's got the, the biggest, fanciest car as financially successful. Or the people who live in the high-class area of town with the big houses, and they're financially successful. But we often fail to take into account our own lifestyle the goals that are specific to our own life and our own starting point as a way to define financial success. It's like looking at someone who's a physical fitness trainer as a benchmark for defining your own financial fitness. And that's... Your own physical fitness, excuse me. Yeah, your own physical fitness. And generally, that's a bad idea because all they do is work out every day. That's not a good way to compare. And you're never going to go from being a couch potato to being a long-distance runner in a short period of time, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe that. You know, if we're trying to improve our health, you need to take it one step at a time. You have to acknowledge the weight that we lost over the last year, You, uh, the amount of exercise that you're doing now, and the way you've changed your eating habits to uh, to become healthier. 
So in a similar way, when we define financial success, we need to start with where we are, define where we're going, and measure how much progress we're making to get to our definition of financial success. Financial success means uh, different things to different people, and, and sometimes they're very different. Your definition of financial success is not the same as how your neighbor or your brother or even your friends define it, and maybe not even the way your spouse defines it. And that's okay, except if it's your spouse, you both need to be on the same page about what the definition of financial success is. Absolutely. So to some people, financial success might mean you don't have any debt. And to others, it might mean that uh, you have total uh, financial freedom. Some people may define financial success as being able to pay the monthly bills with a little bit left over. But the best way to define financial success is very simple. Are you in a better financial position today than you were a year ago? If so, guess what? You're making progress and you are becoming financially successful. What does being in a better financial shape mean? That really depends on your starting point. Uh, and it's an area that you need to define what the meaning is. It can't rely on somebody else to define it for you. So maybe it means your net worth is better than it was a year ago. You're worth more this year than you were last year. Yep, that's a great, a great uh, indicator. You know, you add up the value of all the things that you own, that's all your assets, and you subtract all your debts. That's your liabilities. And the bottom line number, is that higher or lower than it was last year? It's a pure mathematical formula. And if your financial bottom line is positive and it's higher each year, then you're making progress, right? Yep, absolutely. And if it's not, then you might be off track. Now, does your financial success vary from the different stages of your life? Example, I'm in my 20s. Financial success may mean I can pay off all my bills with a little bit at the end of the month. 10 years before my retirement, I'm on track to be able to live in retirement without having to worry. So are there different degrees of financial success? You know, when you're 20s, it might not even be that you can pay your bills. It might mean that you're finally getting a paycheck. Okay, <laughs> okay, good point. I was thinking in your 20s, it means I have enough money to move out of mom and dad's house. <laughs> and they're thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you might be on the same page there. But yeah, it's it, it varies for everybody. And I think it does. I mean, as as we look back on our life, we see that we've had different definitions of financial success as we have gone through various periods in our life. Yeah, I was thinking I'm, the same thing as you and Evelyn were talking. I was thinking myself, what I defined as financial success when I got out of college, had that first job, and then what it was like, then I got married, had kids, then started thinking about retirement. And that's, a, that's I think there are two, two things in play there, Steve. One is life changes you know, getting out of college, mm -hmm. getting married, having a child, getting ready for retirement. So there's those life stages you go through where things change. But there's also times where it changes based on how much progress you've made. You know, when you've made a certain amount of progress up to X point, then maybe financial success, maybe the bar moves out a little bit because you've made so much progress so far. Part of financial success is setting those goals and seeing where you want to go and then planning to be successful on the next stage of life. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. You know, I can think back to when I was in college and just after I graduated from college, um, I felt like I had financial success because anything that I wanted, I could pay for 
if I just work long enough to, to save the money to get it. And so, you know, to me, that was financial success because I knew I could always get a, a, another job, a second job, a third job, whatever, to pay for what I was looking for. When uh, we were in the throes of uh, uh, debt and losing money and everything, you know, that thought uh, wasn't that I wasn't a success at that point in time. And, you know, when you're in the in the depths of it, you know, think about this year versus last year. Did you live this year without incurring any extra debt? That's success. Have you got more money saved, even if it's only, you know, $1,000? Have you got more money saved this year than you had last year? You know, if that's true, that's being successful. But see, I think that's a key that a lot of people miss. They think the benchmark is having a million dollars saved or having some uh, outrageous exactly. number that you just can't get to from here to there. Exactly. And they don't celebrate the little milestones along the way. And the best way to stay motivated is to celebrate those milestones as you progress through life. Well, when you start comparing yourself to something in the world, you become worldly. And and that's the bane of... of of our finances in the first place. It causes us to, to go after all those wants and not be worried about the needs. And uh, so when you compare, you know, I don't have a million dollars, so I'm not successful, or I don't have this, or I don't, you become, your, your mind becomes worldly in that respect, and you got to take it out of there. So when you think of defining financial success, you need to do it on your own terms. And no matter what anyone else is doing, if you're putting yourself in a better position, little by little, then you're making progress in being financially successful, right? Absolutely. So that if you think financial success is impossible, look for a realistic definition that actually reflects where you are in life. You know, if you have $25,000 in credit card debt and you reduce it to $20,000 by the end of the year, you have been financially successful. Not as successful as if you'd paid the whole thing off, but... But you've made progress. You've made progress. That's right. You're 20% better than what you were before. That's a good thing. You know, if you haven't saved anything in retirement, but you can save $1,000 this year, that's a, a an aspect of being financially successful. So you have to figure out what financial success means in your own life and aim for that instead of comparing yourself to unrealistic expectations that you can never achieve. And the biggest challenge is looking at other people and comparing yourself to someone else. Yeah, if you try to compare yourself to somebody who's got a salary that's 10 times what yours is, whoa, that's, that's just, that's a bad way to go. And the problem is they probably have more debt than you have. Well, you know? it's easy to also look at somebody who may have an inheritance that they receive from their parents and compare yourselves to them. And, you know, if you're not in that position, there's no way you can compare yourself to that kind of situation. Yeah, you just have to quit comparing yourself to anybody else. Compare yourself to you. Are you better today than you were yesterday? Are you better today than you were last month or last year? That's where you determine your success. Can you do better today than you did yesterday? You know, that question, it's a very simple question and eliminates all excuses that you may dream up for yourself. And you can't blame your failure on other people because they're getting breaks and you aren't. You make uh, your success based on what you've done. That's right. And it's the same thing that we said earlier about 
comparing financial success to health success. You know, you may weigh 300 pounds this year, but if you weigh 350 pounds last year, you're getting more healthy and you're making progress on your health journey. And that's the same thing with financial success. One step at a time. Are you better now than you were before? Any one of us can make excuses about the disadvantages that we've experienced, you know. But that's not an excuse for not making progress. We all have disadvantages in various shapes and forms, okay? If you're concentrating on those disadvantages, then you're totally ignoring all the advantages that you've had in your life. You know, each one of us has a situation that's so unique that we can't compare our progress against anyone else's. You know what came to mind here when you were talking about this? The, um, the Camino in the pilgrimage on the Camino in Spain. Yes. You know, if somebody's taking the train from point A to point B and somebody's walking the Camino, the person who's walking can't say I'm a failure because it took me five times as long to get there as the person on the train because it's two entirely different situations. And a lot of times we do something similar with our finances. We're comparing ourselves to someone who has a totally different situation and you just can't compare like that. This is Manage Your Money God's Way. We are from Compass Catholic Ministries, teaching what the Bible shows us are the best ways to handle money. Do you realize there are over 2,500 verses in the Bible that speak directly to handling money? You can learn more about our ministry and how we can help you learn how to handle your money. Simply go to compasscatholic.org. Today, John and Evelyn Bean are helping you define financial success because that definition should be tailored to you and your situation. So, Evelyn, what about the dangers of comparing yourself to other people when it comes to financial success? You know, each of us has a situation that's so unique that we just can't compare ourselves against other people, and we can't compare our progress against where other people are. All we can really do is compare the progress we're making on our own journey. Financial success isn't about hitting some arbitrary net worth number or buying uh, a certain item. It's about a long-term journey, one step at a time, and to be in a better financial situation every month and every year. Uh, it's hard. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, a marathon uh, but it's rewarding. And the reality is that success isn't life in a sprint. It's a marathon. So you might sprint at first so you can feel a quick success, but lasting financial success is all about results month after month and year after year, just that ongoing progress to continue to make progress. It's about adopting better habits in your own life, ones that are sustainable so that you can keep building financial success step by step. Now, you may think that this is all pie-in-the-sky kind of wishes, and it can be if you're not willing to do the work and also to appreciate what you have. And so many times we concentrate on what we don't have instead of being appreciative for what we do have. That's, that's a real key point here, John. Yeah. Think about all the blessings that God has given us. You know, we have fresh air to breathe. We have water to drink. We have access to a wide variety of nutritious foods than almost you know, we have more access than almost anyone who has ever lived. We have an infinite supply of entertainment in the palm of our hand. Uh, you can reach out to anyone in the world almost instantly. And, uh, you know, your life is better virtually 
than anyone who's ever, ever lived on earth before. So we have a better day-to-day -day existence than the richest ruler in the world. So our life is terrible only if we don't appreciate what we have because we're in this never-ending quest to make more and we're in this never-ending quest to keep up with all the people around us. So rather than looking at what you do have, you concentrate on what you don't have and that makes it feel like you're not making progress. Absolutely. You know, it brings up a, a verse that uh, uh, it really touched my heart when I learned it 30-some years ago. It's Philippians 4. Uh, and it's verses 11 through 13. It says, Not that I say this because of need, for I have learned in whatever situation I find myself to be self-sufficient. Read content. I know indeed how to live in humble circumstances. I also know how to live with abundance in every circumstance and in all things. I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry of living in abundance and being in need. I have the strength for everything through him who empowers me. And that's Paul talking to the Philippians. He's not focused on wants. He's just focused on what he has. And he's grateful for what he has. That's it. Absolutely. So if we're looking at our own financial success, we need to start thinking about being grateful for what we do have. And I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about things like your health, the relationships you have in your wife with your spouse, your family, your friends, your church family, the access we have to fresh water and food. We have a roof over our head. We have clothing. There's the un unending entertainment John mentioned earlier and unlimited tools for communicating with other people. And that's not a terrible thing. We all have so many blessings that we just don't appreciate. But too often we see our life as terrible because we want more and more and more. And the truth of it is, for most of us, we don't need more. We just want more. You know, maybe your wish is to have a larger house. Or, you know, you think that your 40-inch flat screen is too small. Or that your perfectly good car is too old. You know, so many times we don't look at the glass as 90% full. Instead, we obsess over the 10% of the glass that's empty. And we don't have that factor that says, thank you, God, for all the blessings you've given me. So how do I reverse the trend of wants and needs? Just focus on the needs and not the wants. What do you tell an individual that you're coaching or a couple that you're coaching? Well, the first thing we try to do is to show them to be appreciative for where they are. You know, the, the, one of the couples we're working with now has a really, a pretty tough life. You know, they've had a lot of stuff thrown at them that um, is a very big challenge. And, but even with that, they still have some good things going on in their life. So we try to help them think about what the good things are and then to just start making small steps of progress. They're not going to dig out of their debt in one day. They're not going to be able to pay everything off in one day. They can't pay off their mortgage next year. Things are going to be a little rough for a while, but we just help them try to understand that step-at-a-time type mentality. Are people, are people willing to take it one step at a time, or are they looking within a week, my debt's gone? That depends on who you're talking to. You know, uh, there's an awful lot of people out there that are looking for a magic pill. You know, make it all disappear. Um, unless you've got uh, 
uh, a rich benefactor someplace, mm-hmm. you know, that's not going to happen. And even if you do, it's probably a bad thing, not a good thing, because if they wipe out all your debt, somebody just walked in and, and wiped out all your debt, or you won the lotto, not that you should be playing it, okay, <laughs> but you look at what happens to all these people that win the lotto, and three years they're in bankruptcy again. Yeah, because the bad habits haven't changed. That nothing's changed, yeah. and they just spend, 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 because they have it. There are people who are looking, but it's not going to do them any good. But yet, if you can just look at it on a month-to-month basis, on a year-to-year basis, and focus on what you've accomplished. Like we said earlier, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. The couple that Evelyn's talking about, they're not going to pay off their mortgage in the next year or probably even 10 years, okay? Um, hopefully in 10 years, they'll have all the other debt paid off. But, uh, you know, you just have to keep moving and, and then look backwards and say, wow, look how far I've come. It's like when you're crawling up a mountain, you know, and, and you've been doing it for a long time, and then you turn around and look, wow, I'm up pretty high. You know, Steve, I think what we find more than, often than not is people that are unwilling to do the hard work. They just, they don't want to manage their spending. They don't want to do away with the things that are fun in life. They're not willing to sacrifice. It's, it's just this, this attitude of, I deserve what I want. I'm not willing to make the sacrifices to change things. And those, unfortunately, we run into that quite a few times mm-hmm. where people just, um, they're just not willing to do the hard work to pay off debt and, and change their lifestyle. And they're not going to get anywhere. It's sad. So what really matters in terms of success and failure is how much effort you put into where you are and where you want to be. And if you work hard at managing your finances, no matter what happens, you'll be better off today than if you had done nothing at all. And that'll put you in a position where you can weather both the good and the bad that comes your way. And we define that as financial success. It's simply making a consistent effort and progress so that you're in a better financial place than you would have been Without the effort. Yeah, nothing else really matters because there's nothing else that you can really control. If someone says that financial success is impossible, you know, they probably have an arbitrary meaning, a worldly meaning, uh, that someone else has provided for them. Or they've decided not to spend any effort to make things better and they're just going to be unhappy. If you're choosing to put forth no effort to improve your finances, you're going to get exactly what you're working towards. Nothing. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's going to get better if you don't put in the effort. It's just not going to happen. If you want to have fewer debts, if you want to have money in the bank, if you want to be able to replace that car without uh, hoping that you can get a car loan, then you need to start putting some effort into it. Effort is the single key ingredient to any kind of success. And if you're married, you do it together. Absolutely. It has to be together. You can't have one of you saving and the other one spending. I was just going to say because you're spinning your wheels. Well, and that's, um, I think that's a game we've seen some married couples play. You know, oh, yeah. I'm willing to change as long as that person yes. changes first, but they have to change first before I'll change. And then they just keep playing this, well, it's your fault that we're not changing. It's your fault that we're not changing. There's just this ping pong going back and forth, and neither one of them is willing to step out and be the first one to 
bite the bullet, so to speak. And they're not even good ping pong players. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> you know, effort is always the single key ingredient in any kind of success. And if you're really working hard and you're really trying and you don't find success, then you either need to look at more carefully at where your effort is going or maybe you need to look at a different definition of success and you're not celebrating those small little steps. You're looking for the huge leaps and bounds that aren't going to come easily. Yeah, never, never, ever judge your own success by the circumstances of somebody else's life. You know, it's their life. It's not your life. It's their shoes that they're wearing. It's not your shoes. And you're not wearing their shoes. You know, it's either going to make you frustrated or it's going to make you totally complacent. And neither one of those is a good way to be. So instead, compare where you are now to your past and see if you're making progress. We hope that you were able to uh, grasp the points that we were trying to make, that when you look back one month or one year, you do see that you are making financial progress. And as John and Evelyn repeated several times over the last 30 minutes, you have to make the effort to improve. And do not compare yourself to anyone. Just have a plan. Stick to that plan to improve yourself financially. Okay, let's get to some of the questions we received this week via email. John and Evelyn, what percentage of my budget should I allocate to transportation? That includes vehicle maintenance, gas, oil, tires. You know, John, a lot of times when people think about the transportation costs in their budget, what they're thinking about is car payments. But transportation costs are a lot more than car payments, correct? Yeah, car payment, the actual payment part of this category should only equal 50% of what you've allocated for the category. The other 50% covers maintenance, it covers gas and oil and all the other costs that are associated with your automobile. For example, insurance. You know, a lot of people will put insurance separately. That's okay if you've got a whole category for insurance, but it could also be part of your automobile or your transportation uh, costs. Or if you live in a city and you're riding the subway or the bus or whatever uh, to get to work back and forth all the time, you've got to include those costs too. So payments, maximum 50% of the category. And how much is that category out of my total budget? Um, no more than 15%. We are asked that question quite often about uh, percentage guidelines. And on our website, compasscatholic.org, click on books and studies and then select navigating your finances God's way. And then the word participants and scroll down to week seven. We have a spreadsheet that will lay out a recommended percentage guidelines to help you when you're setting up your spending plan. Okay, here's another question for John and Evelyn. I am about to get married and my fiance wants to rent furniture from a rental center until we can afford to buy what we really want. Is this a good idea? I think it's a terrible idea to pay to rent furniture. That's a really expensive way to do it. And you'd be better off seeing if you could get furniture from relatives that maybe aren't using it or garage sales or flea markets. It might not be gorgeous, but it's better than paying a lot of money to rent furniture. Absolutely. I agree with you. And in fact, we did that. Our very first uh, house that we had, we were uh, renting it. Um, actually, it was part of my salary for the job that I had at that time. And we had a complete house, three bedrooms of early attic. And it was just fine. And it worked it? super. In fact, 
uh, I really wish that we had been able to keep some of those things because they were really great, great pieces of furniture. You know, the other point is that when you do get the furniture that you really want, you'll appreciate it more. That's the first point. And the second point is that often living in a place and having things around you makes you decide on what you really want. Whereas if you buy the furniture to begin with, because it may you not think you want it because yes. you think you want it. It yeah. may not serve you long term. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Please hit that subscribe button if you have not already done so. And please like Compass Catholic on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. You may have noticed the past couple of weeks, the episodes have been from the vault. And that's because we're working on some exciting stuff for this podcast with our content development team. I'll give you more details in the next coming weeks. Thanks, Changemakers, and God bless.